just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This is Eyewear, built for the digital age, and Back to the Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in the show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Welcome to the show. This is an interesting time for me, because there's been so much going on, and... I did start up another podcast several months ago. One of the things that's happened with that is I just don't have the time right now. There are too many things that require my time and attention for keeping my business going, keeping my income coming in. And podcasting isn't really doing that for me right now. I wish it was. I I would love that. I would love to be at a stage where I can do much more podcasting and have that support me in my work and, and bring you much more value and many more shows, greater guests. I would like to be doing three shows a week of this. And right now, I really don't have the the time when I have to be putting so much attention on stuff that actually is making me money right now. If you do want to support the show, you can do that financially. You can buy me a coffee. It's just five bucks a month. You can go to the Supercast page that you will find in the show notes. And I would really appreciate your support. It helps me to keep growing the show. It also is going to give me some real encouragement that people are enjoying this and want to tune in for more and get more value from it. Hey, look, we're a small show. If you want to have a membership level or a sponsorship level, I would be absolutely thrilled. I don't have any great expectations of that, but uh, certainly some of you may be interested in supporting the show and helping it become even bigger and better. And if you do, my heart will belong to you and uh, (laughs) I will look forward to that. Right now, though, I'm going to keep making the show because I love doing it. And that's the whole thing with podcasting. You can't guarantee that the money's going to come in, but the love of it has to be there. And the love of my subject is there. And I'm steering my show much more in the direction of the influence and persuasion side of things. Also because it's interesting to me, but certainly because it seems that that is where the most interest is in the episodes that we're putting out there. We will still bring in the public speaking and and presentation skill stuff because it is still very relevant to persuasion and influence. We will still talk about ethical influence and persuasion, unethical influence and persuasion, and many other things along the way. That's going to stay the heart of the show, but I really want it to be much more in focus. And so the guests that I have lined up are very much along those sorts of lines. We will be talking more about psychology. We'll be talking more about neuroscience. We'll be talking more about marketing and sales and persuasion from platforms, public and professional and otherwise. Let's really get into this because Jeffrey Shaw is such a nice guy and a really amazing guest. I hope you will enjoy the show. I hope you will consider checking out his book and some great book recommendations at the end as well and enjoying the chat about how you can best serve your audience and how you can have a really more fulfilling and successful self-employed life. Enjoy the show. 
Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show about persuasive presentation skills and ethical influence for today's business leaders. If you're a coach, speaker, online course creator, you have any kind of digital presence, you want to make sure you are building your list. Now, the simplest and easiest way to do that is ConvertKit, and you can find a link in the show notes. It's free to start and it's simple to use. Get your list building started today with ConvertKit. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. It's really great to be speaking with you today. And uh, how are things in your part of the world right now? They're uh, they're getting better, right? They're opening up. People are, I'm here in Miami, Florida, so things are opening up and some level of normalcy, whatever normalcy means, I think everyone's kind of reevaluating their life right now, right? What, what we want to bring back, what we don't. And I think that's a really good thing. So I'm eternally, extremely optimistic that the, our best years are ahead of us. <laughs> Let's hope so. I think the uh, new normal can certainly be better than the, the old one yeah. if we choose to make it so. And I know that this is something that you are actively helping to make sure that people can have for themselves with the work that you're doing now, particularly for people who are self-employed and the likes that myself and a lot of my audience are indeed self-employed and many of them are speakers and coaches and working in the professional personal development worlds. So what we're going to talk about today, I think is going to be very relevant to people. My uh, most recent book uh, is uh, The Self-Employed Life. And yeah, I think the important component there is kind of what you're pointing out, right? It was very important to me to have the word life in the title. It was interesting when I had the concept to write this book, of course, I did my due diligence. I went to Amazon and other publishers to see what books were out there for self-employed business owners. And two things stood out to me. One is there aren't any. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> every self-employed book, like when you just, if you just search self-employed in Amazon, all the books are like, you know, how to pay your taxes on yourself, how to avoid taxes on your self-employed, like really boring stuff that is not remotely interesting to most self-employed people. The second thing that stood out to me, which was eye-opening, is that this was the first time in 36 years in business myself that I ever even thought to look to see if there's a book for self-employed people, right? And that to me said a lot. I said one of the fundamentally, one of the biggest challenges for self-employed business owners is that we're so used to going it alone and taking the hits to the chin that we don't even look for help. It never occurred to me that there should be a book to teach me how to be in business when I'm self-employed because it's different. It is a different experience than yeah. traditional business. And big part of that is the life part, the self-employed life. Because when you're self-employed, you can look at it. So either your life is on the line because you're all in, this is your financial stability. There's little division between your business life and your personal life. You care at a higher level. And fundamentally, one of the biggest, I think, most important lessons to be learned, which is what the book is largely about, is that your level of success in business has everything to do with your personal development in life. You right. simply cannot achieve higher levels of business success until you grow yourself to the capacity to handle and receive that next level of success. And that is fundamentally the most important thing to me, which is why the book is, it's a good 50% coaching, which is my background. I've, I'm a longtime coach. 
So it is, it's a good 50% of coaching people to their greatness, coaching people to define the life they want, the life they want to build, and then providing the business strategies that can help you achieve that, not the other way around. Because most of the times the way businesses taught, which is why it doesn't work for self-employed people, we're taught all the actions. So we just keep doing more and not getting anywhere. And that is mm. why this, the life part of this book was super important to me. Absolutely. Now, my, my good friend Harvecker says that y- your business can only grow to the extent that you do. And, and that's a similar kind of message. And I would agree with that 100%. But I know that it's not just the not doing the right things or they're being too into your own business that the only problems that self-employed people have, and maybe not even just the development part, but there's a whole host of it. What are the things in your experience as a coach that self-employed people tend to struggle with the most? Hmm. I think two things, maybe more than that. There's a lot of things, but one of them is whether you're new as self-employed or you've been in business for years, at some point you wake up to that fact, the whole thing has been a lie. The whole thing's a myth. (laughs) And what it is, is that every self-employed person I have ever asked why they became self-employed, why their own business has the same answer. It's some variation of, I wanted to control my destiny. I wanted to control my future. I want to control the hours I work. Somehow people become self-employed thinking they're going to control their life without realizing they're entering completely uncontrollable circumstances. And it seems obvious once you're there, but somehow everybody naively goes into business thinking, oh, this is the way I'm going to get control of my life. I'm going to control how much money I make. I'm going to control everything. And you get there and you realize there is no control because markets go up and down. Economies change, trends change. And now we know an occasional global pandemic can come along. So that is one of the biggest challenges is because inevitably every person that reaches out to me for coaching tends to start off by saying, Either they say I'm a hot mess or I feel like I'm all over the place and they are. And why shouldn't they be? Because part of the reason they are is because we're not a compartmentalized business. We're not a corporation. We don't have a department for every task. So we're running all over the place doing the different tasks. Life is constantly changing. The reality is that when I coach with my clients, they almost always have all the right pieces. I just need to help them figure it out, sort it through reorganize it, whether it's their brand messaging that needs to be restructured and resequenced, or if it's the entire business model. And that's why in the book, I refer to this as the self-employed ecosystem. It's having the entire ecosystem of your business healthy from your personal development strategies to your business strategies and the action you're putting in to make sure that it's the right action for effective results to the daily habits that create steady mindsets to get you through the ups and downs. You have to have a healthy and thriving ecosystem to your business. Otherwise, if any one of those three elements is off, there's a price to be paid for that. And the price is usually that you're working a lot harder than you have to because you're fighting against something. And that's what we want to fix. I I can certainly relate to that. And I know that that's an experience that I've had being self-employed. And I think that the fix that I've often gone for and that I find that I coach a lot of clients as well, not necessarily specifically on that, but these issues have come up from time to time in my coaching work, that the answer always seems to be simplification, that we end up taking on more and more thinking, well, I'm doing so much, I'm so busy, I should be seeing results for this. And busy does not equal productive or successful. It is 
ultimately ending up this thing of like just throwing spaghetti at the wall to hope that some of it sticks and see how see what does and so ending up yeah i want to offer a little bit of different i want to offer a little different perspective on that because i want to because i don't think a lot of people look at it so i think you're right busyness in and of itself isn't helpful the reality is that when i see my clients really step into understanding their core message, like their area of expertise for which no one else can do it as well as them, their level of commitment. So as always, we have to gain our own clarity. So when people get clarity on that for themselves, their entire behavior changes. So what happens is that when you are super clear on what you stand for, who you can serve, uh, and this is the work that I do. This is the work I do to find this. And then in addition, the on the personal side, coaching somebody to be ready for their success. And this is the missing loop, right? Coaching people, to, that's where the personal development is so important because coaching people to actually believe they deserve more than they currently have, right? Because what the glass ceiling a lot of us bump against is thinking that I have as much as I deserve. How do you get, so you first have to step into, no, you deserve, in order to get more, you have to step first into feeling you deserve more. You have to be ready mm-hmm. to get limiting mindsets out of, blocks out of your way. You have, to, you have to create the capacity for the more success you're going to create. When you do that, when you have, when you've done the personal work, when you have gotten clear on what you do, what you're known for and who you can serve. John, I can tell you, you can be busier than you've ever been in your life, and it runs smoother. It just clicks like it gears in a cog, like it's just smooth. And yeah. that's, that's what people have commented for me because I am so aligned with supporting self-employed business owners. People, I cannot tell every day somebody saying to me, how do you get everything done? I put out two podcast episodes a week, two YouTube videos a week, a LinkedIn live show once a week. An an article for Entrepreneur Magazine once a week. And that's in between serving 10 coaching clients at the same time. How do I get it all done? It's all aligned. Like I know exactly what I'm doing, who I stand for, what I'm all about. So I think the bucket of busyness has to be careful because I think a lot of people just like busyness. But you can be incredibly busy when you're aligned with your chosen work. You can get so much done because it's just coming. It's just flowing freely within you. Yeah, I think for me, the the difference in that is I I don't mind being busy, but I don't want to be busy for the sake of being busy. And I don't want to be busy for doing things that aren't actually getting me results as well. And so I I find that, and I think many self-employed people perhaps fall into this trap as well of getting busy and knowing that you are supposed to work hard and that's good. But if you're not doing the right things or not working about it in the right way or your mindset isn't supporting you, then you may end up undermining all of that and feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. And it gets harder to keep that momentum going. Whereas, as you're saying, if you're aligned, if you're seeing the results and things are flowing smoothly, it's more encouraging and you have more of that flow state yeah. because it's easier to move forward. That's the kind of busy I think we all hope to be. I feel like I'm moving in that direction. I don't think I'm there yet. So where do you start with people and getting them on their mindset? You said the self-development part was really important. Yeah. Where would you begin? Oh, I love that. Oh gosh, I so want to also pick up what you said in a moment, but I'll answer your question first. So where I begin is so unusual that it, it really surprises people. So I have spent years studying the root of motivation. 
And oddly enough, I've probably learned the most about motivation from sea kayaking. I, I live in Miami on the water and I sea kayak. And so, of course, when you're in the ocean, you're learning a lot about current and flow. And I, a couple of things I've learned that have really stood out to me. I can actually write an entire book on business lessons from kayaking. And I actually, I just may, because that actually would be really compelling. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> or at least an article. Maybe I'll at least write an article for Entrepreneur about that. But, you know... So current or flow, right? We talk a lot about being in current, being in flow. The fact matter is when you're in a kayak, here's the deal. You're either with the current or you're straight against it. The worst position to be in is slightly off center because you're going to get beat from the side like hell. Like it's just, and that is such a good metaphor for business, right? Hey, you know what? It's great when we're in full current with our business and our flow. That's the state I'm in now. It's awesome. I will tell you it's awesome, but that's, that's not always the reality. The reality, the other side of it is, is that, hey, when things aren't working, you got to hit it straight on because, and, and is that metaphor of an airplane? How does an airplane get airborne? It takes off into the wind, right? That's how a plane gets airborne. So there's real truth to that when it comes to you're either in flow or you're hitting the current straight on. The last, the worst thing you want to do is be at a slightly off. So you're this mediocre state. Mediocrity will beat the crap out of you in every aspect of life. Along that lesson, one thing you learn in sea kayaking is that if you have your eye on the destination, and for me, there's almost always a destination because there's a sandy beach in the middle of the ocean that my partner and I like to make our way to, you can never get there in a straight line, right? Because at some point, the current is always going to be beating you from the side that we owe you. It's kind of a long arch to get to our destination. And it's also very true in business. And the beautiful thing is, and I mean this sincerely, every time we go on that arch, you have to take a, an angle you didn't think you were going to. That's when we see dolphins frolicking in the water or manatee. We literally had a manatee bump underneath our boat, boat once, like he was antagonizing us. It was fantastic. Incredible. Every yeah. time we take a diversion, that's when we see the best sights, right? Another powerful lesson in business. The other, when it comes to how do I begin coaching, this was a big learning lesson. I take the, I'm the front man of the kayak. The front man of a kayak is more in charge of the steering because I'm the one focused on the current. Okay. But he's a power behind me. What I found is that I could stop rowing and we keep good momentum. If he stops, we immediately drag almost to a stop. And I realized mm -hmm. that had a lot to do with motivation, right? Because the initial stage of motivation, the initial stage of getting somebody to make big changes in their life is what they want to get away from. It's the push, right? When if he were to stop paddling and I'm, I continue to paddle, the reason we slow down is because I'm carrying all the weight behind me. And it's harder to pull something behind you than it is to be behind something that you're pushing. So what I do with my coaching clients which has really turned, I think, the world of motivation upside down is that I believe there's a difference between momentum and motivation, and it needs to begin with momentum. And the way I get people to make big changes in their business and life is help them get really clear on what they want to get away from first, what they want to push mm -hmm. away from. I don't start as a coach with the raw, raw pep talk, like, what are your goals? What's your vision? What, what are we going to talk about if we had lunch one year from now? No, what I start with is help. What is it that you're so sick and tired of that you don't want anymore? How tired are you of feeling like you're all over the place? How sick and tired of you of not having as much money as you want? Let's start with that. Let's figure out what is the root of what you're so tired of that you're willing to do the work to change it. Because otherwise you're in a state of mediocrity. Otherwise yeah. you're going to stay in the state of, I want it to be different, but I don't really want to put in the effort. That's like being hit from the side of, by the current in a kayak and it doesn't work. 
So that's where I start. I start with getting my clients really clear on what they don't want anymore so that we can build what they do want. Definitely. It's it's a great place to start. And I know most people know what they don't want more than they know what they do want most of the time. So it's often easier to, to start in those places with people. But also it is very critical to do that mental weeding before you get started on the journey as well and to get those pain points because that away from what you don't want motivation is very powerful like pain is a very powerful motivator into rapid action and you can work on the more inspirational and aspirational stuff as you go because you don't want to just get away from the pain you want to go way beyond that but if you want to get started and as you say get the momentum yeah that's a great way to do it yeah Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I, was, I often make the metaphor of if you look at a competitive uh, swimmer, right, what's the first thing they do is they gain momentum by how hard they push off from the edge of the pool, right? And the rest of it is motivation. The rest of it is their internal motivation to keep going. It's the, the mastery they've acquired, right? The mastery is not in the jumping off of the pool, although that's a learned skill. The mastery is what happens in the water, <laughs> yeah. but it's that push off from what they want to get away from that can make the, in an Olympic swim, that's the difference between a winner or a lose is how committed they were to how they pushed off. It's a huge part of the strategy of winning the race in the long run. Yeah, very much so. I, I think that's a critical element and it's, it's also a very good place to start to have that clarity on know exactly what you don't want and what it is you want to move away from because it's going to give you your first thing to track, if you like, about how far away from that you start yeah. moving. So I think that that could be very powerful. You mentioned before about the idea of worthiness, and I know that that comes up as a huge issue for many people. I know I've had my battles with it myself. How do you start working with people to help them create that sense of worth and deserving? Mm. Gosh, that's a great. For one, and actually this is the root of my, my TEDx talk, is realizing that often people see more in us than we see in ourselves. Inherently, I don't care how much you try to convince yourself that you're all that in a bag of chips and all that positive uh, stuff that we try to tell ourselves. Even if you have the biggest and highest expectations for yourself imaginable, by pure definition, the word expectation means that there's a predetermined outcome, right? So no matter how big those expectations are or you might have for yourself, it's limited by how much you think you're capable of. The only way you can get beyond that is to realize that often other people see more in our potential than we see in ourselves. And the key is to learn to believe them. If you start listening, one, and this is a key component, even as simple as how do people value themselves and charge what they're worth. And I, having been a photographer for decades and in the beginning of my coaching, coaching so many creatives, most creatives don't charge what they're worth. Why? Because what their genius, what they're so good at is comes so easy to them. They don't charge for it. We're wired to charge for what's hard. And what comes easy to us is often what has the highest value. So one of the ways that I encourage my clients to really see their value, which can also inform us if they're coming to me, I coach both people that have been in business for years or decades, or, but I also coach a lot of people that, that go from corporate life to self-employed life. And I actually have a LinkedIn show to that title because I coach so many people that are in corporate. And we're gonna, I think we're going to see a lot more of that these days, people that have their job but are reassessing how they want to live and maybe they want to live their dream and start a business. So I coach both new uh, startups and people in business for years. And often people struggle on both ends with seeing 
either what's marketable, like what kind of business they can build or what their value is. And one of the things I have people do is to make a list, pay attention for two weeks and make a list of everything that people compliment you on, as well as think back throughout your life and within your career, even in your corporate position, what are the things people have repeatedly said to you? And you realize there's a pattern. People may have been saying to you, gosh, you know, John, you have a way of cutting to the chase. I really like that. Like when I, or might say, gosh, you have a way of when I come to you, you have a way of making something clear. Okay. It's a way of understanding and chances are you're going to have overlooked those things. And I always tell my clients, pay most attention to the compliments you want to brush off that they're like, "Eh, that's no big deal. It's no big deal to you, but it actually is probably what people see the highest value in for you, which is why they've been pointing it out. Then the question becomes, what can you do with that? What can you build, create that can really leverage that which is already so easy for you? And that is to our point earlier, that's how you end up having a business where you feel like you're in flow and you're making money easily because you're actually placing the highest value on what comes easy to you. Everybody does it backwards. We feel like we're going to get hired. We want to get paid the most for the hardest work. It actually should be the way around. We should get paid the highest amount for our genius and what comes easy for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I like what you're saying about remembering the good things that people have said about you or the things that people notice about how you work and what benefits they get. And that's why testimonials can be so important. Mm-hmm. But we do ourselves have such a habit of forgetting all of those things yeah. because what sticks in our head the most is the negative stuff that people have said to us. And that's seems to be how our brains are, are wired. And that that's the stuff that stands out for us and sticks out most in our experience, perhaps because they tend to be quite emotionally jarring experiences when we hear those sorts of things. So they stand out a bit more. But remembering, if you can remember what you said and maybe have all those things written down, I mean, how often do you think it's beneficial to remind yourself of good things that people have said about you? I think it's a constant ongoing process in one way or another, another tool which I see people doing pretty much, including myself, constantly. It's like our whole journey in life. I heard something many years ago, and quite honestly, I have no idea if this is true. It's probably some fable that's been handed down, but it, it makes a strong point, which is the fable is that the wise in, in Eastern culture, the wisest person in a village doesn't speak. So what I take from that lesson is that we are in a, and I believe this to be true, both in a spiritual sense, but also in a really practical business sense. I think we're constantly in a journey of saying less, right? The business application of that is that we're constantly, if you, I do a lot of work on brand messaging on people's websites. We're in a constant process of eliminating. Rarely are we adding stuff to a website because you're just going to lose it. There are people, most actually, unfortunately, most people do, which is why suddenly you look at your website and it's just like ridiculously complicated. And technology yeah. companies are known for this. I call it the cycle of simplicity loss for technology companies. They come out with a nice, simple software, you buy it, and then they keep adding features and adding features, thinking they're giving you more value. Meanwhile, you wind up giving up because it's so confusing now, you can't even use the platform. So it's the cycle of simplicity loss. And a lot of businesses do that. They keep adding features and benefits. And next thing you know, you've confused your audience. You've made it what I refer to as it's no longer a frictionless business. So you've added friction to the experience, which makes it harder for people to do. And then they jump. So we're constantly in this process of going towards saying less, both in business and in, in life. So I think we're constantly in the process of editing down and figuring ourselves out. And another thing that people can look at 
is take stock at the portfolio of your life and work experiences. And how does that influence who you are today? I can give you so many examples, a coaching client that her original profession was she was an expert about panic disorder. It just so happens in years have gone by, she's writing books and her expertise, what she's known for, she's actually known as the systemizer queen because she's unbelievable at helping businesses create systems so that their business can run without them. In coaching her, I made her realize the connection to her background as an expert of panic disorder because the panic disorder is rooted in a breakdown of system because your brain thinks something differently than your body. Your brain is panicking because there's a disconnect to how your body is feeling. And it's so her idea of, of connection through systems and re and so has healing people in panic disorder is a matter of reconnecting their head and their body. So it's interesting when we look at areas of expertise that we can offer the world, how often there's information in our past. For me as a photographer, having been a portrait photographer for affluent families for 36 years, it is so clear to me now, but it's taken me decades to figure it out. It's so clear to me. This is what makes me unique in what I do as a coach and a brand message consultant. Because as a photographer, I see what other people don't see. I can see people's greatness that they're not seeing in themselves. I can see what's marketable and what brand message that other people don't see. So it's leveraging the information of your life and also putting that together and making what I refer to as your unique perspective, which is unmatchable. Yeah, I must admit, I've struggled to find what that is after 12 years as a flight attendant with a big corporate airline as to what was specific or unique about that. But I think there may be some, maybe some stuff there that I could still- 100%. I would have so much fun with that, John, helping you figure that out. That's what I love. <laughs> but there's always a connection. And that's, and that, you know, I had said, I said a moment ago about, I should write a book about business lessons from kayaking. The fact of the matter is that's what people find most compelling. People love weird connections. They love it when you make a connection to like, holy crap, I never thought about it that way. One of my favorite marketing books of all time, favorite business books, is a book by David Meerman Scott called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. It's a fascinating book of the studying the fact that the Grateful Dead, they might have seemed like a bunch of hippies, but they were unbelievable marketers. They knew exactly what they're doing, which is why even today, 50 years later, 60 years later, 70 years, I don't know how many years they've been around. We all know who the Grateful Dead is, whether you know their music or not, everybody knows who they are and that they knew exactly what they were doing to create that. I think it's fascinating to make that connection to that's what people want to hear. They want to understand. Like I said, a moment ago, I referred to as unique perspective. That's unmatchable. What people really want is they want to understand how it is that you see what you do differently that they can benefit from. I think there's something fast. I'm sure there's something fascinating in your background as a flight attendant. (laughs) Absolutely. Probably quite a few, but I was thinking it is is my, definitely my dream to be immortalized in ice cream like Jerry (laughs) Garcia. I see that's that you just raised my level. I never even considered that for myself, but now I will like, that's a, that's my new goal. (laughs) <laughs> want your own ice cream flavor yeah i, I was in hospitality flight being a flight attendant it's hospitality i was in hospitality before that bar management hotel management and all those kinds of things and bar work uh, and so you know, the hospitality industry in general is where i figured i wanted to go but you know that's carried over and because i love connecting with people yeah and I didn't used to think that I did, but I clearly do because all the work and decisions that I've made, all my career decisions, even going into what I do by myself, is all about connecting with other people. And 
I, maybe it took me a while to to embrace that. And I think that there's probably a lot more there. It would be interesting to have a, a discussion with yeah. you about that and see what else could be pulled yeah. out from it. I, I think but there's I probably do, something in yeah. training in there because flight attendants are highly trained. Yeah. Right. Highly trained to manage all sorts of situations. One of my other coaching clients, this is another good example of that. this idea. One of my coaching clients, she grew up in a town of 600 people as a child. And we wound up creating a brand for her, which is literally called small town leadership. And what it is, it's taking small town lessons and comparing it to big, big company leadership. So for example, I actually had to make her, I had her make a list of metaphors, like small town metaphors. And she had a blast doing this. Uh, And I think she came up with like 60 of them. Things like what does nailing a bath? And I grew up in a country too. I grew up in a country town. So I could totally relate to this. Like what does nailing a basketball hoop to a tree have to do with leadership? Okay. Well, to a company leader, it has to do with learning to make do with what you've got. Right. As and that was my life as growing up in a small country town. Like I, my parents, we lived on a dirt, a dirt driveway that had a hill to it with potholes, but we made it into a basketball court. We took a basketball hoop, nailed it to the only tree on the driveway, and it became a basketball. It's all we had. You learn to make do what you have. Uh, she talks about what does Sunday ch- uh, church potluck dinners have to do with leadership? It has to do with you know a couple things. It has to do with diversity. And no matter what shows up, making sure it harmonizes. Because you never know what's going to come together in a potluck dinner, but somehow it all tastes good together. So again, we even leverage in her case the fact that she grew up in a town of 600 people as a child. And we use that to create these really cool... So now I imagine we, we're, uh, she's actually well on her way as a speaker and an author. She's speaking in companies, like really big companies. And she was one of those clients, by the way, that I helped transition. She had worked for a Fortune 100 company. She reached out to me. She knew within a year she wanted to build her own business. So I helped her in that process. So she took, she was brave enough to take that gamble, right? She left a high paying Fortune 100 company to start her own business. And with a clear platform, a clear marketable platform, she's going to kill it as a speaker and she's consulting and she's going to, she's going to kill it. I think big things for her future. So I have no yeah. doubt you've got it in you, John. I'd love to find it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd quite like to find that as well. Uh, I know you know Lee Hayes. And yeah. Lee came on the show a long time back. And uh, it's a great episode if anyone wants to go back and, and check that out. One of the things I remember Lee sharing was about this uh, as a speaker, as a coach, having your thing. Uh, and it seems that that's what you're saying as well, that this relates to having your thing and having your story, part of your brand, your personality and identity in, in who you are. And I know that um, if you don't know, who, I don't know if you know who Chris Ducker is, but oh, um, yeah. Chris talks about being a youpreneur yeah. and having a business that, that's based on you. And it seems like that's some of the elements of where you're talking about as well. Yeah. At least that's what, what I'm getting from this. Is that somewhere along the right It line? is. There's... <laughs> As the best things in life are, is they they serve more than one purpose. So when you get clear, if you were to gain that clarity about how your past and to, to put all that, like I said, this is what I do best as a photographer. I always say as a photographer, I'm used to seeing the world in pieces and imagining it composed as a whole, because that's what being a photographer is like. There's a lot of various elements, the environment, the people, the sun, the wind, there's a lot of elements. I thrive in that chaotic environment because I'm already seeing the whole picture. So that's my process is I work, I always say I dig up a lot of dust. I stir up a lot of dust, figure out what the pieces so that I can visualize the whole. So I have no doubt you have it in you. The beautiful part about that is, is that the personal satisfaction of having clarity 
the personal satisfaction of not feeling like you're all over the place, the personal satisfaction of understanding what you're the go-to expert for is fantastic. That's the, the wonderful personal side. On the practical side, it's how you market yourself. So as a speaker, I market myself as helping audiences see what they can't see. I tap into my background as a photographer. I explain, I, that's how I, I pitch myself to event planners as a unique business experience because there are no photographers on the business circuit, <laughs> right? So I help business owners see their business through a different lens. I help them understand when it comes to even mindset. How a change of perspective can change everything. Because as a photographer, I can look at things one way and I can step three feet to the left and have a whole different perspective on that which I'm photographing. Yeah. Okay. So I pitch myself as a speaker based on my unique mindset. Like I see the world through a different lens than most people. I've also been experiencing human behavior for 36 years as a photographer. And it is a very intimate experience. I understand the psychology of people. That's what helps me in the work that I do with my clients and brand messaging because I, it's buyer psychology. Like what, and the other background story on this, if you will, is that as a photographer, I served the wealthiest people in the United States. I grew up very lower middle-class. How did I end up doing that? Because I figured out their lingo, which is the title of my first book. I figured out the mindset, the behavior, the lifestyle, how they tick. And then I unpacked that, this clientele, this affluent clientele that I previously knew nothing about. I unpacked their behavior and then built brand messaging, speaking their lingo. And when you do that, people just showed up. Literally, it was not hard. Once I figured that out, that was the formula. I had a seven-figure business. I was in my late 20s within a few years. So that's So yes, it has everything to do with the personal satisfaction you get of feeling clear about yourself, but it also has a very practical, tangible marketing benefit to it that can separate you as a speaker for sure. I really like how this is following on so nicely from some episodes that I've done recently with people who are branding experts. Uh, we've talked about branding story, creating your own personal brand. And recently also with uh, Moeed Amin, we talked about the psychology of buying as well. So all of these things that have, have led on very nicely from that. So I'm very happy to be touching on these things. And I know that if, if people go back and listen to those and maybe we'll hear some of my sort of ideas and, and understandings as well, because you know, part of the joy of this is that I, I get to have my own realizations and stuff whilst I have conversations with experts like yourself. And I've been realizing along my journey that I need to focus more on the influence and persuasion side of what I do in terms of public speaking, that that is that makes me a bit more unique in, in the marketplace. And that gives me a very clear branding as well. And that I should be cutting out more of the stuff that doesn't really fit with that branding. So I've got all of that stuff. And if people go back through some of those episodes and that's something you're working on, I think you'll start to get some of those things for yourself too. Once you've got figured out then what it is you want to do and what it is you're going to go out into the world and deliver, the harder part for me, I think, and maybe for some people as well, has been figuring out who you do that for or how important the niche is for you. And I, yeah, so this is something you can I actually help. don't think it's as hard as people make it. I, I think the problem is that people go about it backwards. Inherently, I've said for years, I think every business is built backwards because the way people build businesses, they have a business idea, they build the business, and then they spend years trying to fit people, run around trying to fit people into the box they built. <laughs> the right way to build a business is to know who you're building the business for first so that they 
easily can identify as they identify as being your customer. That's actually a lot more aligned, by the way, with today's marketing. You know, I mean, in the 80s and 90s, decades ago, you could get away with, because money was just flowing so freely, you could get away with, uh, you had a lot more latitude to just create a business and people would show up. Nowadays, the customers are empowered. So the moment you take somebody's power away, they back up. The moment you tell somebody why they should hire you, they won't. The moment you tell somebody why they should trust you, they don't trust you. So the power lays in the hands of the consumer. So it's even more important than ever that you build a business the right way, which is to understand the audience who you are meant to serve and then build the business to match them. And that's exactly how I went about building my photography business, which is what I teach in my book, Lingo, is that the way I achieved that was realizing, number one, I was meant to serve the affluent clientele and not because they had money, but because they were aligned with my values. I was always, I've always been a very long-term thinker, long-term planner. The fact of the matter is when you grow up like I did in lower middle class, you don't have the discretionary income to plan for the future. Wealthy people do. People with discretionary income will invest in the future. And photography has a lot to do with that. It's about purchasing. And I've always been very high end. So affluent people had a value for long-term thinking, and they had the financial means to buy photographs for today that would be handed down in generations or preserving the children's childhood. Okay, so they're willing to invest more money in it. So it just meant that that was the clientele I was meant to serve. So the way I teach this concept of figuring out your target audience, your ideal audience, your ideal client is a better way of saying it. The way I teach it is first, you, you have to know who you are and who you're meant to, so what your values are. Again, it begins with personal development begins with understanding yourself. And then the fundamental question that makes this easy is who will love that? The bottom line is you first have to define who you are, what you value, what your unique perspective is, as we were speaking of earlier, figuring out what is the story of your life and career? What are all the pieces? What does it add up to? What unique perspective and value do you bring to the world? And then ask, and who will love that? When you figure out who will love that, you build yeah. a business that they recognize. It's actually that simple, John. <laughs> it sounds so crazy, but it's actually that simple. It's like you build a business that that person that you've <laughs> built the business for feels like they can step into and they will. I, I like episodes where I get homework, Jeffrey. And so I've got <laughs> some homework from this call and, and uh, anyone else who needs to work on that, that's your homework as well. That's your assignment. Um, I've been taking a look at the self-employed life and, and thank you for sending a um, copy of that through. And it is very digestible. It's very easy to understand. It's very simply laid out and it makes great sense as well. I've really been enjoying checking out the book and I'm definitely going to check out your lingo book too because I think uh, there's, there's a lot of value there for me personally and I would encourage others to, to check them out too. I wish we had more time because there's so many more things I want to ask you, but I, I know you, you have other things you need to go off and do. But I do always like to ask my guests for, other than your own books, a book or a resource recommendation that may or may not be related to what you do and what you talk about, but something that you think is valuable. Hmm. Now, mind you, I read two books a week. I'm an avid reader. It's something I love to do. And because of my own podcast, uh, The Self-Employed Life, I, I interview a lot of authors and I read every one of their books. So everything I read is nonfiction. One of, so it is still going to be somewhat related to business because that's everything I read. The book that's really standing out to me these days, actually, I'm going to, can I give you two? I have to give you two. Yeah, please. <laughs> because they're, they play off each other really nicely. The business book that really stand, I've gotten a lot of value out of lately is a book called Sell the Way You Buy by David Primer. And 
just as the title suggests, that's the fundamental concept of the book, which is just brilliant. It's it's so obvious it shouldn't be stated, right? But the fact matter is most businesses don't behave this way. Sell to others the way you want to purchase. And because I don't understand how as consumers, we want to be treated a certain way, but then in business, we're like our hard salespeople. We hate it ourselves. Very important lesson to learn to treat others the way you want to be treated, to sell the way you buy. Okay, really important book. The other book that has been so life-changing for me is actually entirely different, but it's the work that we need to do personally that will have unbelievable tangible results in your business. It's called Black Sheep by Brant Mensoir. Brant is a good friend of mine. And the goal of the idea of Black Sheep is it's a process to find your five core values, what he calls your black sheep values. And they're called black sheep values because the, like the wool of a black sheep, it can't be dyed. It can't be changed. So that's why black sheeps are considered not valuable in right. a flock because they can't, you can't dye the wool. So it has, seems to have less value. The fact of the matter is it makes that wool, that, that sheep undeniably valuable because they can't be changed and either can your core values. So in doing this work of understanding your core values, what's the tangible result of it? This is exactly how I came to understand this book because Brant is a friend of mine and I saw his speaking career take off, take, and I wanted a piece of that. And I contacted, him, I said, Brant, what have you done? Give me the strategies. And his answer was, he said, I got in touch with my five core values. I'm like, how did that help you in business? He said, because when I let the world know what I stand for, what my values are, people that appreciated that or respected that started showing up in droves and I could demand more money for standing on my values, Right. And quite honestly, it was that conversation between Brant and I that motivated him to write this book because <laughs> he hadn't written the book yet. It was, and I, I gave him, I said, you need to write that. Like you, people need yeah. to understand that. And it has been life-changing for me as well. I give Brant credit right on the about page of my website. It's the first time ever in 36 years in business I ever had an about page because my business, both as a photographer, speaker, author, has always been in my name. So I figured it's already all about me. Like, why do I need an about page? <laughs> but I built an about page. And if you go to it, jeffreyshaw.com, these are my values. This is what I stand for. And it's that clear. And you either love that or you don't, or you're compelled by it, whatever. I just know it's an attractor for people that I can create value with because we are in sync with one another. So right. it's uh, those two books. One is Sell the Way You Buy is a straight out business strategy book. Black Sheep is doing the personal work that will get tangible results if you do the work. I'm adding them to my list. There'll they'll be links in the show notes as well as to your books. And you mentioned your website. Is that the best way for people to come and find out more about you and get in touch? So actually, the best way I like to recommend, because I like to give people a start on all this process, is that we have a fantastic tool, which is a self-employed assessment tool. You can get that at selfemployedassessment.com. Again, it's selfemployedassessment.com. It's a custom algorithm that I had designed to ask you some questions to help you understand where in the ecosystem of your business between personal development, business strategies, and daily habits, where you're weakest in your ecosystem, and then to offer you the support to, to change that. Because unlike a lot of things, we can get away at being 80%, 90%, 70% in a lot of areas in life. But when it comes to having a healthy, thriving, self-employed ecosystem, Everything has to operate at 100% or there's a price to pay. And usually the price to pay is either you feel like you're all over the place or you don't have enough money or you're working harder than you need to. And if you feel any one or all of those things, it's because there is right now an unseen invasive species in your ecosystem that that's what I do. I help determine what that invasive species is, get rid of it, fix it, 
give people back a thriving ecosystem so you work harder for less money. Excuse me. Okay. Work easier yeah, for gonna... more money. <laughs> work <laughs> less hard better, for more yeah. money. Yeah, uh, I like I like that more. I think I'm going to go and check that out, uh, and I'll make sure that that's linked in the show notes as well for people who would like to go and take that assessment. And um, as much as there's so much I'd like to ask you and still talk about, we've got so much value from today, and thank you for everything you've been sharing with us on the show. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave people with today? I actually love what we just closed. It's hard medicine to take, but the truth of the matter is that I, more than anything, I want people to have amazing self-employed lives. And to me, having an amazing self-employed life is actually having the life you want as a result of the business that you built. And I always say every business decision I've ever made in my life has based first on how I want to live. So that's my motivation to help people. And sometimes it comes to hard medicine. And the hard medicine of that is, is that every part of your self-employed ecosystem has to operate or there's a price to pay. And that's hard yeah. medicine to hear, but it's fixable. And chances are everyone listening has all the pieces. They just can't see it in the way that I can as a photographer. They can't get it fixed. But that's how you create the life that you want. And ultimately, that's my goal. I want people to have the most amazing self-employed life. That's fantastic. I've, I've learned a lot from having a chat with you and I hope other people have as well. And I know that I've got some things to put into action. And so if anyone's just learned one thing from this, I hope hopefully more, because uh, I know there's a lot in here, put it into action, do something with it, take some action on it and go and check out some of Jeffrey's books, some of the books he recommends as well, and get yourself on target for where you really want to be. Jeffrey Shaw, thank you so much for coming and being my guest on Speaking Influence. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, please make sure you put something into action that you learned here today. And of course, subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. If you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways for you to do that is to share our episodes with your network. Now, of course, share the episodes that you love, perhaps more than the ones that you don't. But word of mouth makes a huge difference to us. And you can now support the show financially as well, even just by buying me a coffee. For five US dollars a month, you can help make the Speaking Influence podcast an even bigger and better show. There's also a membership level where you can get exclusive access to our live stream recordings to be in the virtual studio with us and exclusive Q&A time with our show guests, as well as advanced information of the shows and guests that are coming up. To do that, visit the Supercast page in the show notes or in the YouTube description. For now, see you next time and go and make great things happen.